On this last round of fasting, I had a massive revelation of like, I have been functioning like a reluctant prophet, uh, like Jonah, and trying to escape Portland. I had God like very clearly ask me, like, when did you stop believing in the vision I gave you for Door of Hope, which was a vision for revival in our city? And two, is your story gonna end like Jonah, bitter? <laughs> Or are you going to be grateful that I'm using you at all? I think that that fasting really um, creates space for the Spirit to speak to us on things that we might be utilizing food and other things that we kind of need to lay down from time to time um, to, to allow the Spirit to truly do that surgical work that isn't necessarily fun, um, but the blessing that comes out of that is beautiful. How many of you have a, rev a resolution for 2024 that has anything to do with food? Anyone? Anyone have anything that has anything to do with food, okay? Okay, food or calories or how much more food we wanna eat, right? How many more pounds we wanna gain in the new year, right? Is that the, that's what I'm thinking all of you guys are talking about. So, uh, or how many of you guys have ever taken a picture of your food? Like, oh my goodness, this dinner is so pretty or this, I don't know, what about like a cappuccino and the person just designed it so pretty? Anyone ever like, bonus points if you sent that picture to someone or bonus points, like double bonus points if you posted it on Facebook, right? Right? <laughs> if it looks really, I mean, if you've ever eaten at Sweat & Co., the coffee shop in town, uh, their food is very picture worthy. It's just like art on a plate. It's very pretty, very colorful. Um, how many of you have ever heard of or looked up information on something called intermittent fasting? It's like this eating... Uh, trend or you call it maybe dieting or nutrition or health trend, intermittent fasting, right? Um, well, don't raise your hands on this next question because I'm not wanting to shame anyone, but how many of you have ever fasted from food to pray? Don't, don't raise your hand. We're not show-offs in here, right? But think about that compared to like what you've looked up, what you've researched, what you've set your resolutions to be, what you've pictured and posted online, how many of you have ever fasted, given up food for a period to pray? See, we're more likely today to hear about fasting from a Muslim or a Buddhist or a nutrition expert or an Instagram feed or a fitness guru than we are likely to hear about fasting from a serious disciple of Jesus. Most followers of Jesus in the Western world today no longer fast. We don't fast anymore, even though Jesus... The Jews, Jesus, while he was living on this earth, and the first Christians all the way up through the 1700s. So 1700 years of Christianity practice fasting twice a week. They fa fasted all the way through until sundown, Wednesdays and Fridays for 1700 years. And it was something that marked the Christians and they were known by, instead of us knowing Muslims have Ramadan and they fast for it, we knew Christians every single week fasted until sundown, until the 1700s when enlightenment came and all of a sudden it became all about head knowledge and all of these things. John Mark Comer, a pastor who teaches on spiritual discipline said this, this focus on rational thought that came with the enlightenment has given us all sorts of breakthroughs in science and medicine and technology, but it has left us disembodied. We've lost sight of the human as a whole person, mind and body and soul. We were made 
for, okay, so forever, and get this, in creation, in creation, God spoke and they came into existence for everything. God spoke and then it was. For humans, God gets down in the dirt and with his hands, he forms. Didn't speak it, he formed and then made man and then into his nostrils breathed the breath of life. The physical human body, God thought, was worthy of more than just spoken it was. He came down, knelt down, got his hands dirty and breathed up in our nostrils. The breath of life. How much different is that? And yet we say, well, the body's just like the animals, right? The rest of us, it's the spirit that makes us different. But God made our bodies even different. God thinks that our physicality even is something that is spiritual, that our whole being is what makes us spiritual and unique. Today we hear like, hey, I, I want to get closer to God. You might say, okay, read this book, recommend this book, do some devotions, like read the other people's thoughts on interpretations of scripture. You might say, listen to a podcast, listen to a sermon, spend some more time praying. Or, but we don't hear someone say, if you want to say, hey, I would like to get closer to God. Your first advice is, well, just stop eating twice a week. <laughs> That's not the advice we hear very often on how to get closer to God, right? But for 1,700 years, Christians practiced it so that they were more in tune with God for 1,700 years. So today, what I want to talk with us about, my sermon today is called Level Up Your Prayers, that we can take our prayers to the next level. And what I want to talk today is about this. Fasting helps us break through to the breakthrough. If there's a breakthrough you want in your life, fasting is the thing that might be just what you need to push you. Fasting is what breaks through, through the wall, through the barrier, through the fear, through the anxiety, through the selfishness, whatever it is that you're facing or wrestling with or struggling with. Fasting is the breakthrough to your breakthrough. And abandoning this discipline might be why we keep hitting that wall. Why is the Western church where it is today? Well, I'll tell you one thing. In the 1700s, we stopped fasting. We know that. That could line up with the facts. There are lots of things. And we like to point to the world and this, that, and the other, and what other people have done. But what are you doing? What are you doing? What are we as a local church body in Fort Madison, Iowa doing? What marks us as different from this world? What do we do in discipline, disciplining ourselves to be set apart so that we can tune out the world and hear God clearer than the person next to us at work? What is any different from them and me to hearing God more? What is any different? And I want to propose to you today that fasting could be that thing that helps you push through to your breakthrough. It could be the reason that we keep hitting that wall. Today, I want to talk about four reasons we fast. Four reasons that we fast. And I just preached a sermon very similar to this last year on this Sunday. I think it was this Sunday last year. But it's important to preach it again. Why? Because American church doesn't teach on fasting very often. And so we don't know what it is. I have close friends who have grown up in the church and love the Lord and are praying constantly and are seeking his will for their life and are memorizing scripture and are going to church every single week and more. And they haven't heard a good teaching on fasting. And so it's my job as the pastor of this church to help you guys know what fasting is and why it's a thing. Why is it even a thing? Or is it just one of the spiritual disciplines we can pick and choose from? 
Or is it something more than that? The ultimate aim, the ultimate purpose of fasting is so that we can get in touch with our hunger for God. So it's about hunger. It kind of hangs on hunger. Everything, all these four points, it hangs on hunger. And we want to get in touch with our hunger for God. And we do that by using this body he gave us and the hunger that he gave us. He gave us a physical hunger to tap into also the spiritual hunger he's given us. The Bible also says he made us to eat, right? We could have just pressed a button and been full or whatever. We don't do that. We don't have to eat. Most of us, thankfully, don't have to eat through feeding tubes 24-7. We get the delight of having pretty food that we can take pictures of and post and taste good and has a flavor profile. Oh, it's nutty or whatever. I don't even know how to do that. I'm horrible at finding ingredient flavors. But hunger is this state that we have of wanting and needing something we do not have. And the Bible says he has placed eternity in the hearts of humanity. He's given us a physical hunger for food. He's also given us a spiritual hunger for the eternal things of God. And we have drowned that hunger out by all the things in this world, by the heady stuff, by the knowledge that we gain, by the books we read, by the sermons we listen to, by the music we turn up, whatever it is, it has drowned out sometimes, even good things has drowned out our hunger for God. And fasting helps us take out something that is necessary and good. It's not necessarily bad, right? We need it. God created us to need food, but we take it out for a time in order to do something extreme to help us tap into our hunger for God. When we fast, we awaken our body and our soul to its deep yearning for life with the Father. We were made to be in a garden, walking in the evening through the evening breeze with God our Father. We were made to be with him. And when we fast, we set all that aside. We set off the world. We set aside the flesh and the desires of the flesh. And we see our yearning and our longing for the Lord. We become able to say with Jesus, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. He said that in John 4, verse 32. I have food to eat that you know nothing about. He always spoke in these funny little riddles. This person, whoever he was talking to, I think it was the woman at the well. She's like, what is he talking about? He's a little crazy. But he's talking about the bread of life, his spirit, who he is, God. He has what we're hungering for in our soul. St. Basil, or Basil, or however you might want to say that, the great, um, in AD 330-ish, that's when he lived, said this, fasting gives birth to prophets. She, referring to fasting, strengthens the powerful Fasting makes lawgivers wise. She is a safeguard for the soul, a steadfast companion for the body, a weapon for the brave, and a discipline for champions. Fasting repels temptations. It anoints for godliness. She's a companion for sobriety, the crafter of a sound mind. In wars, she fights bravely. In peace, she teaches tranquility. 1 Thessalonians 5. 23, the Apostle Paul said this, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the reason, other than hunger, that this is hard. The only reason fasting is hard, other than that we get hungry and we get hangry, right? 
The only reason it's hard is because culture wants us to consume, 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 consume constantly, whether that's food or other things, or to only fast to self better for intermittent fasting so that we can be healthier and slimmer and all of these things, or to whatever, fast on social media and post that you're fasting on social media so that everyone knows how righteous you are, right? We're only doing it for self betterment or we're doing it for consumption, consumption, consumption in the world. And so it makes it hard. It makes it hard to set something aside so it's just between me and God or just in community with my local church body. But what if we did fasting to be more like Jesus? What if we did fasting to get everything that he has for us? What if that's why we fasted? What if we did it just because Jesus did and I want to be like Jesus? I'm not saying go on a 40 day of no water or food fast. Might want to run that one by your doctor, right? But he fasted. He was a Jew and he practiced the Jewish customs. He was an Orthodox Jew. And so he fasted Wednesdays and Fridays and the church and even the Gentiles who became Christians kept that Jewish practice of practicing fasting on Wednesdays and Fridays every single day till sundown where they celebrated with a meal for 1,700 years. And it's nowhere to be seen at that level by any means in the church today. So why do we fast? Number one today is to offer ourselves to Jesus. We fast first and foremost to offer ourselves to Jesus. Matthew 6, 16, Jesus said, when you fast, not if you fast. He was talking to his disciples and he didn't give this huge teaching on why you needed to fast because everyone he was talking to already fasted two times a week. He was already presupposing, he was already assuming, he was making the assumption that his disciples are already fasting. And I have to ask myself, if Jesus was talking to me this way and he said, Anna, when you fast, and I'm like, well, the last time I fasted <laughs> was like, I didn't get on Facebook for two days and I called it fasting. Like, <laughs> what, you know, and Jesus like, when you fast food all day, two days a week, and when you have longer extended periods of community fasting, when you fast, and I'm just over here like, uh, when was the last time have I ever done that? But Jesus is saying, when you fast, not if you fast. He assumes that his apprentices, his disciples, his followers, those trying to be like him, those who bear his name, are already following his example and incorporating fasting into their regular discipleship. In the biblical view, you don't have a body. You are a body, and your body is part of who you are. And we like to think, no, we're just spiritual beings experiencing this temporary physicality. No, we're going to get a new glorified physical body. <laughs> Jesus is physically in his resurrected physical body at the right hand of the Father in heaven. He took his body up with him to heaven. It's not this base, horrible, fleshly, evil, carnal thing that we've made it out to be. That's something called Gnosticism, and the whole entire New Testament is fighting against Gnosticism. Gnosticism is this view that the body isn't that important. Only the soul and the spiritual and the emotional and all this transcendency is the important. So we put down the body, and what does that lead to in our culture? It leads to body confusion like crazy. Everything that has to do with our physical bodies of who we are is confused. We don't treat it right. We're dying at higher rates. We're getting diseases at higher rates. Everyone's sick constantly because we don't feel like treating our body as part of us being spiritual beings. We think of them as two completely separate things now because the enlightenment came around and for all of its wonderful, amazing, good things, it didn't do much good for us spiritually. 
It took us apart. It made us these two separate beings. And so we're constantly in conflict and confusion. And so fasting offers us this opportunity to bring them back together, to say that what I'm doing with my body, what I'm doing with physical food, submitting it to the Lord as an act of worship helps my body come into wholeness, helps my being, my person come into wholeness. And it's such to the point that one of my New Year's resolutions does have to do with eating and health and physical health. I saw my grandfather, who's I think 86 or 87, he was on the floor, on his hands and knees, playing with Micah at 87 years old. And I'm like, I better be able to do that when I'm 87 years old. I want to be playing with my great-grandchildren on the floor and not have a problem standing back up and getting back down. And I don't know a whole lot of 87-year-olds who can do that. So I'm like, okay, my new goal is this health goal that I'm going to do, and my reason why is so that my great-grandkids can play with their great-grandma on the floor. (laughs) That's my reason why I want to do that. I was inspired by my papa in Tennessee this last week or a couple weeks ago. I want to do that, but it says also in the word that we present our bodies to God as a living sacrifice. Our bodies. He doesn't say present your spirits to God as a living sacrifice. Present your heart to God as a living sacrifice. Present your bodies to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. This is your spirit that our, our spirits, our souls would inform what our body does, that it comes from this inner spirit man and comes out into who we are. So we don't have a body. You are a body. Your body is part of who you are. We are a body, and our body is part of who we are. It's a holistic look. And so with my, with my goal that I have, I have this book that I'm reading It's called How to Be Well. Highly recommend it. It's done by a functional medicine doctor, which means he practices medicine and also everything natural and combines it all together. And it's really pretty. It's like a really nice modern looking magazine. It's about this big. And it has like a how-to, like what to do if you're feeling gassy and bloated. And then it gives you like a checklist on what you need to do to figure out what's bothering you or what to do if you're sluggish and need a reboot or what to do if your doctor says you have high cholesterol or whatever. And it goes through all of these things. And it's just very basic and very straightforward and you know how many times it mentions fasting (laughs) intermittent fasting for periods of time like a set time during the day like maybe fasting until dinner or maybe fasting until sundown is brought up so many times to help your digestion to help your inflammation levels be reduced to help reboot your system to give you more energy all these things now you got to do it the right way right you want to find out and know why what you're doing the right way but I'll tell you one thing I think we can trust the way that God's already established us to be able to do it now I'm not going to jump listen to this the last three years we've been here We've done 21 days of prayer and fasting. This will technically be our fourth 21 days of prayer and fasting because we do it every January for 21 days. All of the last three, (laughs) I've been either pregnant or nursing. So I haven't been able to do fasting like I've wanted to do. I am not pregnant or nursing this time. Woo! So I get to fast. I'm so excited about it. But because it's been so long since I've been able to do an extended fast, I'm starting the first week. I'm going to fast one day till sundown. The second week, I'm going to fast two days till sundown each day. The next week, I'm going to fast three days till sundown each day and working my way up. And then in between times, I'm going to set up a regular practice. I would like to start fasting at least one day a week every week. I'm saying that from the pulpit. Now you guys got to hold me to it. Don't ask me. 
Yes, ask me. I don't know. But it's a goal I have, right? This is something I want to do for my own spiritual discipline, for my own formation to be more like Jesus. But I'm not saying if you've never fasted or if you have maybe some health concerns or whatever, that you should just forget food for 21 days. Be smart about it. Be wise, but challenge yourself. Challenge yourself. You can, when you're fasting, I would, I would really challenge you to pick a day this week that you choose to fast until sundown like the early Christians did, or maybe you choose a day this week and you're going to fast until lunch or fast until 3 p.m., or maybe you're gonna fast your lunch hour and give that time to the Lord. Pick something this week where you can fast food for a period of time that you feel like is wise and safe in what the Lord is calling you to. And when you do that, pray Romans 12, one through two. Present our bodies to the Lord as living sacrifice. God, I'm giving my body to you as a living sacrifice. God, I offer my body to you in worship. Please transform me. Because what I do know, no matter where we come from or what our situation is or how much we've fasted or not fasted or what our uh, health requirements are or aren't, I know that fasting helps us break through to the breakthrough. He's told us this. It helps us break through to our breakthrough. And we've got to find out what he's calling us to do in wisdom for ourselves. Number two today is we fast for holiness. We fast for holiness. Now, I grew up and a lot of people talked about holy rollers, and it wasn't really a good thing to be called a holy roller. We did have a small group at our church called the Holy Rollers, and they were a bowling small group. So... Uh, but, so that was the good turn on holy rollers, right? But holy rollers wasn't really considered a good thing. Holiness wasn't really considered, I mean, it was considered a churchy thing. It was considered a Christian-y thing. But when you saw someone holy, you thought about them being like a Bible thumper and judging everyone. It's how it was when I grew up. What holiness is, is just being set apart, looking different than the world, looking different than those around you that we wouldn't look exactly like what our culture looks like, that we would be a little bit like Daniel, that when the king put out a decree that everyone had to bow to only him and his statue of himself and no one else, as soon as Daniel heard the decree, he went right up, went upstairs, opened his window to the whole town, stood in his window and prayed three times that day as was his custom, as he always did. He prayed three times a day in the window. And when the culture around him was not praying to anyone but the statue, Daniel looked a little different, opened his window, sat in the window and prayed, as was his custom, as was his practice, as he always did. That we would look different. That's what holiness means. St. Augustine of Hippo, when asked why fast, he said, because it is sometimes necessary to check the delight of the flesh those things that are desires that are not what God desires, right? The kind of war within us. To check the delight of the flesh in respect to illicit pleasures in order to keep it from yielding to illicit joys. I'm sorry, it says in respect to illicit pleasures, so things that are okay, in order to keep it from yielding to illicit joys. That we give up things that are okay to our flesh like like food for a period of time, so that we can check in with things that are illicit, that aren't okay, that are sinful. Because maybe there are things we don't even know that we're giving into desires for, but we're not gonna know until we remove something and hone in and focus in and look down and make sure. Anyone ever like, you're driving and you're looking for directions and you're looking for a certain street or landmark or whatever, and you like turn down the volume? Anybody else? Just me? Like, am I just crazy? For some reason, it feels like if the sound is on, I can't find my exit. I don't know why that's a thing. But it's this whole idea of tuning it down to tune in to focus. 
We want to focus. We don't want to miss it. We want to put all of our senses in on one area. And so sometimes we've got to tune down the noise. We've got to take something away, even though it's not bad. We've got to take something down to tune it down so that we can focus in. When we fast, at least four things are happening in our body and soul. We're taking notes. Write these down. When we fast, at least four things are happening in our body and in our soul. Number one, it's weaning us off the pleasure principle. This principle that I eat, dopamine kicks in, and I am happy, right? It's weaning us off of this pressure principle that I just do what feels good, that I do what makes me feel better. Number two, it's revealing what's in our heart. We joke about being hangry, and it is a real thing, and most of the time I would tell you to get yourself a healthy snack if you're feeling hangry, but it also reveals something about us. It might be revealing who we really are when we are not pleasure-seeking, and so it helps show us what's really in our heart. It reveals what's in our heart. Number three, it's reordering our desires. It reorders our desires. You know how many times on my most recent day of fasting, I was like, I want to get some food. And then I was like, I'm not actually hungry. <laughs> if I stop to think about it, I'm not actually hungry. I'm actually thirsty or I'm actually bored or actually I just eat when I'm in front of the TV so I feel like I should eat because I'm in front of the TV. You know how many of those things? It helps reorder, reprioritize our desires and our automatic reactions. And number four, it's drawing on the power of God to overcome sin. Fasting helps us not be as dependent on something physical so that we can lean on the power of God even stronger. It's no coincidence that Satan came and tempted Jesus when he was in his 40 days of fasting. He came and tempted Jesus while he was fasting, but Jesus was even more reliant on the Holy Spirit because of fasting and relying on him that he was able to overcome Satan and overcome him with the word of God. Our fight isn't against our body. It's not against our body. Our body is broken, but it is a good gift. Our body is broken, but it is a good thing. Our fight is for the body, that we would see this as a gift from God, that our body is not a bad thing. Our body and everything that comes with it is not a bad thing, but it is a gift from God. And these desires that we have, these appetites, these cravings that we have, they're not necessarily bad things. They've been out of whack. They haven't been submitted under to his lordship. They have been fed. These cravings have been fed in an unhealthy way when it's really a desire that God has given us. And we just need to take a moment and submit it under his lordship. And when we can surrender and when we can submit that, we end up being able to surrender our sinful appetites to the Lord and help him, have him help us to replace those with his. Fasting is one of the most powerful disciplines of the way of Jesus, the way Jesus lived his life. When I say the way or the way of Jesus, Christians were first known as uh, followers of the way. That's what they were called, followers of the way, the way of Jesus, before they were called Christians. And this is one of the most powerful disciplines of the way because we free our body and our soul from the chains of sin. We don't just try to really force our brains to concentrate. We don't try to get our spirit active. We stop eating, which is actually a technically easy, right, thing. Now we get hungry, but technically we cannot put food in our mouth, technically. <laughs> Whereas when we try to make our spirit feel a certain thing or our heart feel a certain way or our mind focus just right, that can be a lot harder. And so technically, if we can just not put the food in our mouth and put it aside for a designated period of time with wisdom from the Lord, we can free our body and soul from the chains of sin and the prison of shame. So I would love for you guys in your dedicated times of prayer this week, and I'm trusting that everyone in this room and everyone who watches this online who calls Victory Faith Church their home is going to have a time, even if it's five minutes, 
even if it's one meal this week, and I want you to like not leave till you got it in the calendar, where you know you are going to do something more than your normal spiritual practice this week. What is one thing, five minutes more, one food off the table, what is it that is one step further because this isn't just you need it. And my heart as a pastor is you need it. This is something I believe in for you, but this isn't just you need it. This is we are the body of Christ and together we form the body of Christ and we need each other to step it up. We need each other to start looking different than this world so that when I try to look different than this world, when I'm getting picked on for not going to work on Sundays, when I am struggling because people make fun of my prayer life, when people roll their eyes when I say my goal has to do with the spiritual discipline for 2020, whatever it is, we need each other to be ready to fight for each other, to have each other's back when the world looks at us funny, when it becomes a struggle, when the enemy comes against us, when the world comes against us, when our own flesh comes against us, we need each other to have each other's back. And I need you guys to push through for your breakthrough so that you can be there when I need to push through. And I want to push through for my breakthrough so that I can be there when you need a breakthrough. I want to be that for you, but man, I need you to be it for me too. We need to be that for each other. So in your dedicated times of prayer, and I am trusting that as my brothers and sisters in Christ, you will put at least five extra minutes than your normal or drop one more food than your normal this week or both. <laughs> that you, every time a hunger pain comes, every time you don't want to wake up five minutes earlier, every time you want to go to sleep instead of read the Bible, that every time that happens, that you would pray, God, purify my heart, purge my whole person of sin because I know I have to be holy and set apart. I know I have to be all for you and filled with your righteousness and your goodness so that I can get my breakthrough and then help Anna push through hers. So that I can help my spouse, so that I can help my child, so that I can help my coworker, my grandchild, whatever it is, so that I can help them push through to their breakthrough. I've gotta be ready. If possible this week, set aside time in quiet or in deep conversation with a close spiritual friend or a spiritual leader, or someone spiritual you look up to, I would love for you to do this, that you would set up time for a deep conversation with a spiritual friend. Ask God to reveal any sin in your life that's targeting your freedom. This is holiness. We're talking about holiness here. And offer it to God in confession, repentance, and prayer. We use this verse a lot. Confess your sins to one another and you will be saved. You'll be healed. We use that a lot to talk about small groups, and we believe it. you got to have people around you. But it's also in relationship to repentance and confession, and you have to do it with someone in community with you to get the full effect. We get forgiveness from God. We get healing from each other. For, through God's people is how we get healing. And we need to get back to a practice of confession of sin and repentance. We pray for the revival and we forget that every single revival in all of history started with confession and repentance. And we're not willing to say, this is my struggle. I looked at porn last week. I overeat to satisfy my sinful desires of stress instead of going to the Lord to be my peace. I, I yelled at my kids and I just can't stop and I said things I shouldn't have. We don't want to go tell anyone that because we need to look put together an Instagram highlight reel perfect. And we can't even go tell our church friends. Somehow that's the worst place to go say it. 
I've told some women in this church, I've said, I need to tell you guys something. And I shouldn't really be, shouldn't be telling you this because I'm a pastor, but I have to have people that I can tell some stuff to because I need the healing. I want the holiness. I want to be set apart as unto him. And if that means set apart and I look different than other pastors because I'll actually tell you that I sin and ask for repentance and forgiveness, then that's what it is. Fasting helps us break through to get breakthrough. Number three, to amplify our prayers. We fast to amplify our prayers. Fasting is an aid in hearing God. If you struggle with, I just haven't heard God in a long time, fast. Turn down the noise. Let the hunger pains wake you up into hearing God's voice. That when we have a lack, when the noise is down, when there's an emptiness, when there's room for the Holy Spirit, maybe then we hear him. So we turn down distractions, we turn down noise, and it sharpens our mind. But fasting is also an aid to being heard by God. So it's an aid for us hearing from God, but it's also an aid for him hearing us. Did you know there are listed some prerequisites in the Bible for whether or not God chooses to hear your prayer? For one, it says that, it, I think, I, I didn't study this before, but I'm pretty sure there's a verse in there that says, he won't listen to husbands who are mean to their wives. I'm pretty sure that's a verse in there. Kyle's saying, yeah, so he must back me up on that one. There are certain verses that says, do this, then God will hear your prayer, or God will not listen if you this. It says God doesn't forgive unless we've forgiven. Relationships are a two-way street, and it's the same with God. Yes, he loves us unconditionally, and his love is everywhere for us all the time, and he is always with us, and he will not forsake us. But sometimes his level of interaction and engagement in the relationship is dependent on how much we choose to engage in the relationship as well and how we treat others around us. So fasting is an aid to being heard by God. It helps us break through the walls that stand between us and release God's plans, purposes, and power. We know this specifically because there's a time where Jesus sent out his disciples two by two, and they were off ministering, and they were given authority to preach the word and to cast out demons. Interesting, that could be a whole other message, but two things that they were given to do. Preach the word, which how many of you guys are like, I'm going to preach this week. I'm going out, I'm a disciple of Jesus and we're given authority to preach. And you guys all have on your to-do list this week, preach the word of God, right? Well, he's given his disciples authority to preach, like he sent them to preach. And number two, to cast out demons. Some of y'all are like, mm -mm, mm -mm. I don't do spooky season. And I definitely don't do it in January. Uh -uh. <laughs> I don't even watch the horror movies. And if I do, it's just for fun and giggles. And we all say it's just a movie, it's not real, right? That's how we are. But he gave us authority to preach the word. All you guys add to the list. Five minutes of prayer, one food dropped off the menu, and preach the word and cast out some demons this week. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're given authority to do. I'm getting off on a side tangent. That's not the point. The point is they went off and they tried to preach the word and cast out demons. They came back and said, Jesus, we did everything you do with the whole demon thing. We tried casting this one out. And it didn't work, and the demon kind of laughed at us, and uh, we feel bad about it. What did we do wrong? Please teach us. And Jesus was like, some only come out through prayer and fasting. He didn't say any more on it. That's about the only real prayer and fasting, teach or te fasting teaching he really did. But there are some chains in your life or breakthroughs you are praying for on other people's behalf or for yourself that it will not be moved without prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. He didn't say that one only comes out with prayer. 
That one only comes out with prayer and fasting. And there are spirits of, in, uh, in, I'm losing the word, but there are spirits that cause sickness, physical sickness as well. There was a woman who was crunched over and Jesus delivered her of an evil spirit and her body was healed. So sometimes we need to be thinking if we are becoming embodied practitioners of the way of Jesus, followers of Jesus, we need to get well-versed in these things he knows. We need to know our word. We need to know, some of you are hearing for the first time that sometimes evil spirits cause physical sickness. You need to read your word. We need to read our word. We need to know these things. We need to learn these things from the word. We need to get hungry again for him. And sometimes we gotta get hungry for food to get hungry for God. Fasting helps us break through to the breakthrough. Fasting helps us break through. Number four today, why we fast, to stand with the poor. We fast to stand with the poor. And you're thinking, this is kind of a bummer of a fourth point. Like this isn't near as hype as like, breaking through to the breakthrough and leveling up my prayers and casting out demons and holiness being set apart like Daniel in the window and all this. It's not near as fiery, but you know what the Bible talks about more than signs and wonders, than heaven and hell. You know what it talks about more than that? Standing with the poor. It talks about caring for the poor, living generously. The first church was marked by how they pooled their resources together in order so that everyone could be taken care of. The first offices and roles within the church were deacons who were, or elders. I don't remember if it was elders or deacons. I'm really contradicting myself. Deacons, Kyle says. That's why we co-pastor because we really balance each other out in these things. Deacons were set up so that they could take care of distributing money and resources to the widows that were in their communities. That was how the church first got organized, <laughs> was because they needed people to help share all the resources together. That's why we do offerings and tithes. It's not because we want your money so that we can be super flashy. It's because we would like to have enough money to be able to help people every single time they call and ask to help with a water bill or when they just got kicked out from their home, or when someone is homeless and needs a hotel for a couple of nights, or whatever the case is, we want to be able, I don't wanna say, let me check and see if we have enough funds right now. I want to be able to say, yeah, sure, no problem, we've got you. I wanna be able to stand with poor, I wanna be able to teach the poor how to help use this ridiculous economy to like get a job and maintain job skills and find a place to live and work with others in the body of Christ who can help them find those skills. I wanna be able to help the poor. I wanna be able to stand with the poor. And I'm not gonna understand that when maybe I haven't experienced that level myself, although we have definitely had years where we were technically living beneath the poverty line. Um, but I want to be able to understand. St. Gregory of Nicaea, he said, give to the hungry what you deny your own appetite. This is the type of fasting, the most teaching on fasting, how to fast, what it is, is in the book of Isaiah 43, I think, and 58, definitely Isaiah 58. And the whole thing is on how we enact justice for and with the poor. How we enact justice for and with the poor. I got, side. Side note, this is an intentional side note, okay? I know I go on rabbit trails sometimes. This is an intentional one. I got to preach at a different church last weekend to let the pastors go have a vacation, visit their family for the holidays. And um, I said this at their church, and I said this to them, and I said, I can say this at your church because I'm not the pastor here, so I can't get in trouble. But I'm going to say it here, even though I am the pastor here and can't get in trouble. So Kyle's going to be nervous. But... The early church was marked by four things. 
that set them apart from everyone else in the world around them. They took care of poor people, was one of them. They were pro-life. And all that that means even after a baby is born. They uh, believed that sex is between a man and a woman who are married to one another. And then the fourth one is slipping my mind. Oh, yeah. They were adamantly pro-fighting racial injustice and having racial reconciliation. They were multi-ethnic and multicultural. They were marked by those things when no one in the world around them agreed on any of those. If you notice in American politics today, two of those are super championed by the left and two of those are super championed by the right. And it divides churches. And so pastors don't feel like they can say, we believe these four things and we're going to act on them. But it's what the church was known for and by for hundreds, maybe uh, thousands of years. And so we want to be known by this and marked by this. And it's not a left thing and it's not a right thing. It's a Jesus thing. That he stands with the poor. That he seeks justice. That he gives a voice to those who do not have one. That he is a father for the fatherless and he places the lonely in families. This is who he is. So it's not a right or a left. It's not a red or a blue. It's not a Democrat or Republican. We're getting into an election year and I'm gonna be getting myself into heaps of trouble. But this is a Jesus thing. This is a Jesus thing. So early on in the history of the church, fasting was tied to what Jesus and the early Christians called almsgiving. Almsgiving. And it was a practice that combined generosity, serving, and justice. It was specifically a type of offering for the poor. And on fasting days, Christians would take food or money to the church that they would have spent on food that week. So if I'm saying I'm fasting Wednesday, I'm going to meal plan for Wednesday anyway. And I'm going to take what I would need for that meal and I'm going to give it to someone who otherwise wouldn't be eating. Or what I would spend if I'm going to fast for, say, a week what my grocery budget is for that week, I'm going to take it and I'm going to give it to the church so that they can help take care of the poor. That's what they would, the Christians would do in Jesus' day and shortly after. Often they would give the time that they would have spent cooking, eating, and cleaning in order to serve the poor. So fun family day, what we can do is have a fasting day for the family, whatever that looks like for you. And that day, go take meals to homeless or to poor people or bag something up and get it or chuck your money and give, say, we're going to give this to the church this week so that they can have something in their benevolence to feed other people or to help other people with their bills or whatever it might be. And go serve together as a family. Serve others who are less fortunate. So here's a few ideas how to do this. Donate the money or food to your local food bank that you would be eating otherwise. Donate the funds to a local nonprofit or to your church who also helps like a local nonprofit since we don't have a ton of those in this town. We get a lot of calls for stuff like that. Donate the funds to or uh, buy groceries for someone. Share your money with someone who needs help paying a medical bill or an unexpected expense. Find a need and meet it that day. I can't tell you how many times when we've had family big upsets happen and we'd had to be driving all over creation or we'd have unexpected bills comes up where we had to fight something or whatever. How many times the church came and we got an unexpected check or we got an unexpected meal that really blessed us. The church was doing their job. Find a need and meet it that day. Pray and ask God to infuse your imagination and desire with his imagination and desire. Do whatever comes to the surface of your heart when you pray that prayer. 
to stand with the poor. So in these next 21 days, I want you to pick one day fast until sundown or till 3 p.m. or till lunch or skip a meal, whatever it is. Fast and focus on offering yourself to Jesus. Pick a day that works for you. I think there's power when we do it in community. I'm going to be fasting on Wednesday. You can join me if you would like. I'm going to be fasting on Wednesday. Wednesday or Fridays is ideal if you want to get in touch with Christians around the world and throughout ancient church history. If possible, pick a day to do this together as a community. Again, I'm doing it on Wednesday. You can join me. This will help encourage and enliven your weekly practice. Fast until sundown that day, then eat a simple meal in gratitude, reflecting on what the day was like where you tried to, the first time is gonna be hard, especially the first part of the day. You'll get hangry, and that's the opportunity to ask the Lord for the fruit of the Spirit to be alive in your life. If a full day is too much for your body or soul, start smaller. Skip breakfast and break the fast at lunch or 3 p.m. Remember, the goal is to make fasting a part of your regular life, not try it once or twice, hate it, and then never do it again. Start where you are, not where you feel like you should be. I feel like I should be able to fast 21 days. I've been a Christian for a very long time. My dad fasted like crazy growing up. I remember he used to fast every single Wednesday. My dad was marked by, my dad just fasts on Wednesday. Every other day he came home and had lunch with us on Wednesday, he was fasting and praying. He'd go in early, he'd fast until they had church that night. I grew up in it and I feel like I should be somewhere else. And many of you hearing this are like, man, Christians did this for two days every time. I feel like I should be somewhere. Don't start where you should be. Start where you can so that it's not something you fall flat on your face and never want to do it again or feel failure. There's grace and he is the strength in our weakness. Go into it with a heart that wants to serve the Lord, surrender to him and do it in wisdom. In the time you'd normally be grocery shopping, cooking, eating or cleaning, give yourself to prayer. Let your desire for food point you to Jesus and open yourself to him. So my questions for you as we close up. Are you content to stay where you are in your life, in your spiritual life? Are you content where you are? Do you feel like life should be more than this? Or maybe you are content, but do you wanna break through the complacency? Maybe your content has turned into complacency. Is life good? Never been better? but you wanna break through to another level because you know there's always more of God. I cannot tell you how many times I have texted Pastor Liz this week, some of my other friends, or talked to Kai, and I'm like, I got this feeling and the only way I can really explain it is like a fire shut up in my bones, like Jeremiah said. Like, it just feels like, I looked at Liz earlier and I did this and I don't think she knew what I was doing, but this is like my fire in my bones. I'm just, I have never, been closer to God than I am right now and I have never wanted more of God than I do right now and more than anything my heart breaks for you to have that same desire that you would want more and be closer to him and be more like him than you ever have been before in your life and that your hunger from him is so strong. So life could be good, could never be better. My life is really great right now, but I want so much more of God. I wanna break through. I don't wanna go back to being complacent. I don't wanna go back to struggling. I want the struggles for me to be relying on God to where it's almost a breeze to go through the struggles because he's carrying me through. There's always more of God. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was like 13 or something like that. And every single time in my adult life that there is some sort of 
option to go receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, I go. I am like the first one there. I'm like, I already got the technical experience of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, but I want more. If you read the book of Acts, every time Peter and Paul and all of them went and did something and about to heal someone and cast out a demon or be stoned to death and then come back to life, it always says, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Happened on the day of Pentecost and it kept happening through their ministry. Every time they needed a reboot, every time right before God was about to do something big, they were refilled again. And I just want to be refilled and refilled and refilled and more than anything, I want you to want to be refilled and refilled. refilled. That when we say, Come up for communion, go back for prayer, come up and bow down, worship with your body that God breathed the breath of life into. You say, well, I'm worshiping in my heart. He didn't shape your heart out of the dust and then breathe the breath of life into your heart valves. He did it with your body. It's a living sacrifice. Your body is your spiritual act of worship. What I want more than anything is for you to feel that again. And even when you don't, that you would act like you do until you get that breakthrough. That song we sang, I'm going to sing till I start believing. I'm going to preach to my soul that he's already won. Because even if I don't feel it, even if I don't feel it, he's still worthy. Even if I don't feel it, Even if I'm not even sure I believe it, I'm going to preach to myself, just like David did. With my dying breath, David said, every day I live and with my dying breath, praise to God. I will preach to my soul. I will tell my soul, oh, my soul, praise the Lord. Oh, my soul, praise the Lord with everything in me, not with what I feel up to that day, not with what I got the goosebumps for. I have this fire that I feel now because for the past three years, when I didn't feel like it and when the world was beating me down, literally sometimes, I still tried to push in. I still sought people to take my confessions and not count me out as not qualified to be a pastor because I confessed. I took people lying about me and my family and still went to God and said, I'm gonna choose ministry anyway. I took being hurt and backstabbed by people because of ministry and decided I'm not gonna be one of those jaded pastors and press in anyway and still find another person that I could pour way too much into just for them to turn around and leave again. Whatever it is, whatever you're going through, whatever the mental health crisis, whatever the family crisis, whatever the physical crisis, whatever the spiritual lack, whatever the complacency in your life, whatever the depression, When you push through it, it might be a wilderness or a battle. Sometimes we take the wilderness over the battle. For three years or however long, when you keep trucking through, maybe it's our two minutes of silence and solitude that a few of us worked really hard to try to do. Maybe it's working really hard to make sure you never schedule anything on Saturdays because God deserves one day of the week. Whether it's upping your percentage that you give to the church because you have a passion for it to be able to do more. Whatever it is, you press in in all those areas for three years and then today you can stand up and say, I've got a fire shut up in my bones. I don't know what to do with it. (laughs) Don't know what to do with it except tell you to go out, stop eating, preach the gospel, cast out demons, come up to the front and get on your freaking knees 
Go back to the back and have someone pray for you because you are not perfect. You have not finished the race yet. You're still on it. You've taken some right turns. You've taken some left turns. And we think we're fine. You're not fine. I'm not fine. And you won't get the passion. You won't get the revival. You won't get the breakthrough until you do something drastic. God took a human body. He died. He was tortured. While he was in the act of being murdered, he prayed those people would be forgiven. And then he took his body back to heaven with him. He did something drastic. And he says, you are not my disciple unless you have counted the cost. And you pick up your cross, whatever signal it is of humility or being humbled down, humiliation. He was hung naked, torn off to where he was unrecognizable. Whatever symbols you're suffering, you pick it up. You don't pray it away. You pick it up and you put it on your shoulder and you walk naked in front of everyone beaten, splintering your back, nails pounding into your head, the thorns in your head. Thorns were called up from the ground at the curse. And they're the thing he was crowned with when he overcame the curse. He overcame the curse in your life, not so you could be complacent and cushy and comfortable and complaining, but so that you could press through to get your breakthrough. We've got to do something. We've got to stand up. We've got to move. We've got to engage these bodies. We've got to realize it's a gift from God. And our days are numbered and our life is but a breath. And Jesus is coming. We say, Lord, come quickly, but we don't anymore because we're not so sure if we're ready. Or we actually like our life on earth better than we think heaven's going to be. I don't want Jesus to come back until I get to experience this. But Lord, may our hearts cry be, Lord, come quickly, because all we want is to be with you forever. And the closest we get to that is when the local church in community is acting like what heaven's going to be. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Fasting helps us break through to the breakthrough. It's something radical. It's something extreme. It is hard. It used to be normal for Christians though. And we wonder why the state of Christianity today, but we don't want to look back at what they did. We don't want to pool all of our resources. We don't want to fast. We don't want to have meals together. We don't want to confess our sins to one another. But we want what they got when the fire came down and touched their heads and everyone was speaking in tongues and everyone was performing signs and wonders. But we don't want to do what they did 50 days in an upper room together praying to get there. Jesus, come into this place today. We know you're here. So the prayer really should be, God, help for all of us to come to you. Your spirit is here. You came down physically. You took a body. You gave us your spirit to be here with us. You're here. If we don't feel your presence, it's on us. You have done everything it takes to be with us in the most intimate way possible, meeting us where we are. So Jesus, come today and show us your way. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. Be the comforter, counselor, convictor of sin today. 
Help us to submit our bodies to you as a living sacrifice as we start these 21 days of prayer and fasting tomorrow that no one would leave here without first getting from you a direction on what it is you have them to do to step up their prayer life, to step up their relationship with you, to step up their involvement in a community of believers, whatever that is, as small as it might seem, whatever it is that nothing would seem too small to be important, but everything is a stepping stone towards a better relationship with you to being exactly where you want us to be. With every head bowed and eyes still closed, I want you, some of you here today need to give your life to the Lord. You haven't even started a relationship with Him or you left your relationship with Him a long time ago. If that's you today, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to join us and be followers of the way of Jesus today. On the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand. Why? Because our bodies are part of who we are. And our bodies are a spiritual act of worship. I'm not gonna make you come up to the front and call you out or anything like that, but we raise our hands to know who we're praying with, but also an act of worship, our body as an act of worship to the Lord. So if that's you today, you need to start a relationship with the Lord starting today. One, two, three, raise your hand if that's you today. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You guys can put your hands down. In church, we are a community of believers, so we're gonna join together and all pray together with anyone who's raised their hand or maybe raising their hand in their heart because they haven't gotten there yet. Jesus is for you. He is meeting you here today. Let's pray together. Repeat after me. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. I love you. I love you. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. You forgive me. You forgive me. You have grace. You have grace. I receive your forgiveness. I, I confess my sins. I confess my sins. Help me to follow your way. To live for you, to grow in you, and to stick with you, no matter what comes, because I know how great your love is. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we celebrate with those who gave their lives to the Lord this morning?